Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope, that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. So we are finishing off a collection of talks called Spiritual Questions. And the question we're leaning into today is, I believe, one that is so important to address. And the question is, is kind of a statement then a question is, the church hurt me, now what? See, I've been in church in a long time and I know that there are things that have happened that have hurt people. I know that maybe it's things that have been said or things that have been done or, or issues that have never been addressed that's brought hurt to people's lives. Maybe you would be honest and say, you know what, i had been hurt by a church in my life and it took me, it took a lot to give God a second chance because I felt so hurt by what I experienced or by what was said. And God understands that. And what we're gonna talk about today is how yes, the church was God's plan, but it's also made up of people. And people, we are a little messed up. Turn to the person next to you, tell them, hey, you're a little messed up. I hate to break it to you, but you're a little messed up. And that's okay because, you know, we all come together some of you are enjoying saying that to your friend and neighbor a little too much, but we're all a little messed up. And what God does, is he takes all of our collective and individual messes, messes and he turns them into a message of new life, of new forgiveness, of freedom, of a new beginning. And that's what we believe can happen today. That's what we know God wants for you is restoration, is freedom, is a second chance or a third or fourth chance of what he wants to do in your life. One of the guys I always quote on Sundays is a guy by the name of Eugene Peterson. He wrote the, he had translated the Bible into what's called the message translation. Here's what he said about church. Church is the textured content in which we grow up in Jesus Christ to maturity. But write this down for me. But church is difficult. Woo, it is. It's a difficult thing. Why? Because it's full of people and we're a little messed up again. We are imperfect people. We're difficult, not all the time, but sometimes. But sooner or later though, I love this statement, if we are serious about growing up in Christ, we have to deal with church, I say, sooner. See, my, my message for you today is if you're here in person or watching online is that if you have issues or hurt with the church, it is time to take next steps in dealing with those things because the church is God's community for his people. The church was God's plan to help you grow, to yes, belong before you believe, but once you step into believing, then help you become who you were created to be. Write this down for me, I get it. Church hurt is a real issue. It's a real issue. It's hard to be a part of something that just continuously lets you down sometimes. A couple weeks ago, my friend messaged me. He said, hey Ryan, I got four tickets to the Florida State game on Saturday, they're playing Louisville, and I'm a big Florida State fan, unfortunately, if you know that about me. He said, I got four free tickets to the football game. They're great seats. It was like, awesome, man, I'm there. I'll take them, let's go. And then last week, they lost to Jackson State or Jacksonville State. I don't know, one of those schools they had no business losing to on the last play. They're 0-3 going into this weekend after they got blown out by another team last week. And as I was leading up to the game, it was like, you know what? I know the tickets are free, 
but I don't know if I can handle that heartache driving four hours north to be in Tallahassee, sit in the hot sun and watch my team, yes, again, lose and go to 0-4. I can't handle it. It's a real issue for me, all right? But I keep tuning in. I keep giving them a chance. But the thing is with church, I know that we've been hurt on a much more serious sense than that story. I remember I grew up going to a private school and it was at a church. And you know, Tuesdays mornings, we would have chapels and we'd hear about how God loves you and how no matter what he cares about you. But I gotta be honest with you, in elementary school, I was a problematic child. I know that's hard to believe. I was a problem kid. And I remember this vividly, going into second grade, I walked into kind of my open house second grade classroom and my teacher looked at me and said, oh, Ryan Miller, I've heard stories about you. We are in for a year, aren't we, with you in my class? And even as a second grader, I was like, ouch. What about this whole thing about like God's love and forgiveness and give me a new chance? You're supposed to communicate to that. It's the beginning of the year. You've already cut me down to size. What's going on? Even as a young kid, that hurts, right? Because you hear that, wait a minute, you know, they believe the best about you. I remember for the longest time I worked at a church and there was an instance um, in our life once when Shepard was born, about a month into him being born, we had to rush him to the ER. He had what's called a, a baby hernia. I didn't even know that was possible, but now I'm an expert on it because Shepard had to go to the ER for it. He had to have surgery right away. And I remember for those couple days, I was scared, I was nervous. I didn't know what was gonna happen. I mean, surgery, uh, even if it's easy surgery on a one month old, is gonna stress you out. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. And I remember Adrian messaged me, hey, I just talked to the pediatrician. She said we need to take Shepard to the ER right away. Okay, I just left work, sent out a couple texts. Hey, I gotta get out of here. I was working at a church at that time and pretty much Shepard was in for another almost over 48 hours as we were waiting for the surgeon to be able to operate on Shepard. And so I missed a few days of work and was just like, well, I mean, I'm, in the, I'm here at the ER, they should understand. And I remember I got back the next week and the first thing when I walked into the door was my boss at that time sat me down and said, hey, uh, before asking how Shepard was or if he was doing okay, he said, hey, uh, you, you did your vacation time. You were supposed to take vacation time if you were gonna do that. Like you didn't let us know enough ahead of time. And then of course he did ask about how Shepard was doing. But remember in that moment, I'm like, really? That's what we're leading with? It's because sometimes people are imperfect and sometimes things happen. And listen, I've had to walk through my forgiveness for that. I've had to walk through my hurt and deal with that. Because again, I know it was a busy time of the year. It was right after Easter. There were a lot of things going on. I've probably made the same mistake. So I'll be the first to tell you as the pastor of local city church, if we've said or done anything that may have hurt you, we're sorry. We're not perfect. It's a real issue, but here's what I believe today. It's a real issue and you can find true healing. As I was writing these notes down, I originally had church hurt is a real issue, but you can find true healing. I don't like putting sentences with the but in there because <laughs> after that, it's just, you know, it's not real stuff. It's an and, like we deal with church hurt as a real issue and all of us can find healing. It's not, a, not an issue that maybe we can, not a but, no, it's an and. You can find healing because God is here in this. He's working through it and he's helping you. As we jump into this, just before we pray and open up our hearts to receive, look what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. It says this, let us hold tightly, I love that phrase, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God, underline this, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. So let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. 
And let us not neglect, this is huge, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Other translations say, do not give up meeting together as God's church because you cannot do this alone. Yes, there may be hurt. Yes, sometimes it's gonna go a little messed up, but that's because that's what life is. Life is about dealing with pain and hurt and issues. We gotta keep moving forward. We gotta keep trusting God to deal with it and work it out and be honest about what's going on because we can't give up. We cannot neglect the power of meeting together. Would you pray with me as we step in to this message and truly open up our hearts this morning? God, I'm so thankful for who you are. I'm so thankful, God, that you are always someone who sees our hurt but also is there to help us find free, uh, find healing and help us find freedom and deal with it in an honest way. So God, I pray for all of us in here. But God, especially for those of us who may be holding on to some deep church hurt in our life, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. I pray that you would help us find strength again and not neglect meeting together and not give up on your church, God, because you're always working it out and you can be trusted to keep your promise. God, we love you. I'm thankful for every person here. I'm thankful for all of our kids out in the hallway, for local city kids and all of our kids' team who make it such an amazing thing as our young kids are falling in love with your son, Jesus. And we give you this time today. We love you. We thank you. And we praise you once again. In Jesus' name, we all say and agree. Amen. Come on, give me a shout. Give me a clap if you're ready to jump into this today. And write this down for me. Why is the church so important? Here's why. Because Jesus chose the church, a fellowship of the flawed to carry out his purpose on earth. The reason why it's so important to work these things out is because you cannot live the life God created you to live outside the church. You have to find a church community where you can be planted in because it was instructions that Jesus gave us. What did Jesus give his life for? Not just so that we could be forgiven and set free so that our sin could be dealt with and so that we could be made righteous in God's eyes, but also to start this thing called the Capital C Church. And when I say that, I mean the Capital C Church with a capital C at the beginning, the big movement of church that has changed the world for the last 2,000 years that we are humbled and honored to be a part of. Jesus chose this thing to continue to carry out his purpose here on earth. And guess what? He knew it would be a fellowship of the flawed. I've got flaws. You've got flaws. We've all got flaws. I'm like Oprah. I'm just giving out flaws. You all got Ms. Messes, flaws, all the above, right? We know we got it. It's not as exciting as a free car, but go with me today, all right? And Jesus chose the church, a fellowship of the flawed, to carry out his purpose. Here's what's interesting about our relationship with church is we will have one bad experience with church, and some of us, that'll be enough to say, nope, never again. I knew it. I knew it. We're waiting for that short remark or that thing for someone to say that we disagree with and we say, ah, that's it. But the funny thing is, I don't know about you, but I've had bad experiences other places and I keep giving those places chances. I mean, I've definitely, I'll be honest, I've had some bad experiences at restaurants, but I don't give up restaurants altogether because there are some great ones out there that I love going to. It's the same thing with the church. Yeah, we're gonna have 
messes and mistakes and hurt that happens. But we can't give up on the capital C church. Listen, local city may not be your cup of tea, but I promise you I know a ton of pastors in this city that pastor and lead amazing churches. I'll help you find one that is because it's more important for me that you're connected to the body of Christ as a whole than this house. I mean, we have fun things that we do. We talk about things. We have a good time. But if you're looking for something a little different, hey, there are those out there. The big thing we talk about is that Jesus gave his life for the church. He gave his life for us so we could be forgiven and set free. That's the message. That's the hill that we're dying on. And we'll begin to work everything else out. And I love what Jesus says about the church. He doesn't say this about anything else, but he says it about the church. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 and 19, he says, And upon this rock I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Woo! That sounds good. I like every word in all of that. When Jesus says, and, I, and I'll build it upon this rock, the rock that he's talking about is the spiritual truth that Jesus was the son of God. He was more than just a teacher. He was more than just a man. He was more than just a historical figure. He was the son of God, fully man, fully God, who walked this earth and paid the price that we couldn't pay when he gave his life up on a cross to be the sacrifice that we were supposed to be because of all the sin and wrong things that we had done. And then in three days, he walked out of that grave alive so that we could be alive today and know that when we sing, you're never gonna give up on me. It's not just words on a screen. It's not just something that maybe we believe in or might be true. It falls on the ears and hearts of a living God who is alive today, listening to your praise, receiving your worship, and just wanting you to know that he's with you, wanting you to know that he's standing alongside you. And I love this idea that the the powers of hell cannot conquer it. I don't know about you, but I've been through some hell in my life. Some hell on earth sometimes. Maybe you're going through it right now. It can't conquer you. It can't stop you because it can't conquer Jesus and it can't stop Jesus. He's already conquered death. He's already conquered everything that needed to be put, un that needed to be put under his feet when he walked out of that grave alive. And that's the same power that you have access to today. And the enemy that is real he would want nothing more than you to feel like you can't walk through the doors of a church and find meaning and strength and purpose again. I mean, when we say, when we give into the hurts in our lives, and again, hear me when I say this, I am not making light of how any of us have been hurt in this, in this life. Some of us have been hurt maybe in really intentional, abusive ways, and I'm not making light of that at all. The thing is, if we're still letting that keep us from stepping into what God has for us, the enemy has already won. But if we're willing to be honest about what's gone on in our life and let God deal with it, as we're going to talk about in a moment, there is freedom and new life on the other side of it. Yeah, we can give, a, we can give praise for that because it's true and real. So I got a lot of things I want you to write down today. I'm going to go through them pretty quickly. The first thing is five steps to deal with church hurt. The number one thing is you have to acknowledge the hurt. Acknowledge the hurt. The first thing that happens when Shepard cries or we know that he fell or got hurt yesterday, we were at the park and he did something he's never done. He's up on top of the slide and I'm, we were out there playing with some kids in the park and a kid was throwing a ball with me and I was watching Shepard climb up the stairs and I was watching I'm like, yeah, he's going to go down the slide. Nope. He turned the other way where there's like a hole for some reason and, in, and like it was all in slow motion. He's up there and he jumps off the top of the slide. Luckily, the pat, it's a 
a padded floor there at the park. And I'm like, Shepard, what are you doing? He's like, ow. I'm like, Shepard, what happened? Where are you hurt? He says, my toe. Luckily, nothing was broken. He was fine in like 10 seconds. He was back chasing that kid around and all that good stuff. But the first thing I ask him is, "How are you hurt, buddy? Where are you hurt? And he tells me. The biggest thing that can happen in our life is we acknowledge that we're hurt, but we don't acknowledge the specific hurt in our life of where we've been hurt before. Have we been hurt because of what something someone said or maybe an issue that we didn't agree with or maybe something someone did to us? Where have you been hurt? You have to acknowledge it because Jesus cannot heal what you keep hidden. Jesus cannot, cannot heal what you keep in the darkness because he is the light and it needs to be brought into his light. Because yes, God is a good God, but he is not a forceful God where he forces you to do things. It's choice, it's surrender, it's trust. Today, you need to acknowledge where you've been hurt. You have to look back like, where does, has this all started? And when you acknowledge it, then God can deal with it. Again, I'm gonna talk about the enemy, Satan, the devil a lot. The enemy wants you to keep your stuff a secret. It's in the darkness where you can get lost. It's when things are secret that they can destroy you from the inside out. The first step we have to do is say, you know what? Here's why I've been hurt. It's what circles are for. So you can acknowledge where you've been hurt in your life. You can get around people who are, our circle leaders are trusted people. They're not gonna gossip about you. They're not gonna, oh, you hear what that person's going through? Woo! We don't get around and do that because I don't want that. People have done that to me. I don't want that. It's a safe place where you can acknowledge how you've been hurt before. The second thing is, is you gotta trust God that he'll deal with it. I love that about God. He says in his word that he is going to deal with it. Here's what it says in Romans 12, 19. It says, dear friends, never take revenge. Woo-hoo! That'd be a good thing to remember today. Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. I like that. I like that God, you know, he says, hey, people have hurt you. Don't worry. I got your back. I love people that have your back, and especially when they're bigger people, Right? Like when they're taller than you and they're bigger and they look way stronger, yeah, I, I want to roll with those people because ain't nobody messing with me. And if they do, they know something heavy is coming their way. They may not be intimidated by me, but they're intimidated by who surrounds me. See, the enemy may not be always intimidated by you because we're human, but he is intimidated about the God that is inside of you. He is intimidated and afraid of the Jesus that has given his life for you. See, Jesus cares about the church and he understands that church hurt hurts people. Here's the thing, hurt people hurt people. We know that, we know that. And that's happening even in Jesus's time. Church hurt is not a new thing to the 21st century, it's not. It's been happening for a long time. When Jesus was here on the earth, what was going on is the religious leaders were making people literally pay to step in to God's presence. They were called the money changers. They were outside the temple. They were especially doing this to abuse the Gentiles and, and other people saying that, hey, you have to buy this specific thing. You have to change your money this way. And they were cheating people. They were pushing people out and adding all these regulations and restrictions for people to freely enter the house of God. And if you're familiar with the story, you know what Jesus did? He didn't walk in and was like, 
hey, I don't, I, don't, I don't really like this. You guys should stop that. No, the Bible says that he gathered some cords, made a whip, started flipping over tables, and was like, this is not what my father's house is for. This is a house of prayer where people can commune and connect with God. Don't bring that stuff in here. See, here's the thing. We've got some tables of hurt and offense and unforgiveness set up in our life. I promise you we need to trust and surrender to Jesus to come in and take care of those things and fight your battles for you sometimes. Acknowledge the hurt and trust God that he will deal with it. This is a huge one. Number three, don't confuse people with God. This, if you don't take anything away from this morning, I pray that you would take this statement away. Don't confuse people with God. Please don't confuse me with God because I'm a person. I am imperfect. I am not always going to be able to be what you need to be and neither will your friends, neither will your circle leader, neither will our church, but God can be. The best thing that we can teach you is that, hey, Sundays is where we come and man, we worship God and it is awesome. And circles are our communities where we get together and we grow. But who do we depend on? God. Who do we depend on? Jesus. Who is the hope that has a name? Jesus. Who is the one who will never let us down? Who is the one who sticks closer than a brother? Who do I want you to depend on? Jesus. Because here's what it says in 2 Timothy 4, 17. It says, but the Lord stood with me. This is Paul talking. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. See, Paul went through it. He had people give up on him. He had people leave him. He had people betray him. And guess what? So did Jesus. The most amazing thing about the Bible is it gives us people that we can identify with. Paul had people that walked the earth with him. But as soon as he did something they disagreed with, or as soon as things got tough, they stopped visiting him in prison. They stopped supporting him. They began to slander him. He says, you know what? It's okay because God stood by me. What is Paul remembering? The same thing that you can remember today is that in scripture it tells us that we don't have a high priest, we don't have a God who is distant, we have someone who understands weakness. We have someone who understands the difficulties of life. Jesus was betrayed by one of his friends. His family called him crazy. He had people say that they would go with him. His, his friend Peter said that he would die before denying him, and before the sun set, he denied him three times. See, that's why we can depend on Jesus. That's why we can't confuse people with God. Because God is perfect. He is good. Here's the thing. God is honest as well. God's going to speak truth to you because he knows sometimes the decisions we're making are destroying us and not helping us. But he's standing by you no matter what. Number four is don't give up on all people because of some people. That's so key. Some of, some of us, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw myself into this for a while in my life, we're so afraid of getting close with someone again because of how our close friend or relationship hurt us in the past. The only person that's robbing is us. We cannot give up on all people because of some people. We need people. God said in the very beginning, hey, it's not good that Adam is alone. I need to create someone so that he doesn't have to be alone anymore. It's why we have circles. So you don't have to go through life alone. It's why we have Sunday morning church. So you don't have to go through life alone. It's why we send out the message and worship experience on local city online. So people can realize they don't have to go through this alone. They can do life together. Don't give up on all people because of some people. God will take care of that some. And what you need to do is forgive them. Because listen, forgiveness, we'll talk about this at some point. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Reconciliation is a two-way street. Forgiveness is a one-way street, though. You're saying, you know what, I'm done letting this offense or this hurt have power over me. I'm just going to forgive them. 
Now listen, they, you, know, you can't control whether or not they forgive you or they say they're sorry or they step back in. That's reconciliation, it's a different thing. Forgiveness is a one-way street. Five, number five, don't forfeit your purpose because of the pain. Don't forfeit your purpose because of the pain. Again, I'm not making announcements today, I'm just telling you the, the, the practical things you can take a next step in. That's why we offer growth track every Sunday. And some of us, the pain is that we felt used and abused by the church in the past. And it's keeping us from stepping into our purpose and using that purpose again. To make a difference, to bring hope to someone, to build God's house. Again, the enemy's winning when you do that. You're losing when you do that. Because God's saying, hey, I have so much that I wanna do in you and through you. But don't forfeit your purpose because of the pain. Pain's real, but so is the purpose. And God's given that purpose to you. He's breathed life into you. So it is way more powerful than the pain. Sometimes the biggest things we can do is to focus in on who God has created me to be. What did Paul say? He said, God's standing by me because my purpose is to preach the good news to the Gentiles. So I want you to know today that God's standing by you. But if you don't have that purpose that you're living out, you're gonna forget it. You're gonna forget why you're here. You're gonna forget what God is doing in your life. And don't forfeit your incredible God-given purpose because of the pain in your life. Pain's real, it's true. And we can deal with it today. In Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, book of wisdom tells us the most important thing is to guard our heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. I wanna encourage you today, the most important thing you can do is guard your heart. To not let your heart become poisoned with the lie that you can't trust God again, that you can't find connection and community in his church again. See, the church hurt me, yes, but now what? I'm gonna guard my heart. I'm not gonna settle, I'm not gonna step back, I'm not gonna give up, but I'm gonna guard my heart. And as we begin to guard our heart, let's truly step into these things that can help heal us. God's gonna soften those things that have hardened us. God's gonna soften those things that have hurt us from the inside out. And what I wanna do today is give you five quick things on how to guard your heart from church hurt. Number one, I've said it a lot already, don't expect the church to be perfect. Don't expect the church to be perfect. Don't expect anyone in your life to be perfect, because <laughs> we're not. We put so much pressure on people to be perfect, but they're not. You are never gonna find a perfect church. A pastor, the founding pastor of the church I grew up in always used to say this. He'd say, if you ever find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up, all right? Like, that's the thing. There is no perfect church out there. We're not a perfect church. There's hurt that happens because we're people. But you know what? I don't expect us to be perfect. I expect us to do the best we can, to be excellent. But the only person that we can depend on to be perfect in our life is Jesus, is our Heavenly Father, God. And he can take it, he can take that pressure. Second thing is, is don't put all your hope in people. I know that sounds weird because I'm talking about church and community. And I do believe we have to put hope in people, but not all of our hope. Because if every single thing that, uh, that is made up about who we are and all of our significance and all the substance of the essence of our humanity is wrapped up in our relationships, is wrapped up in people pleasing, is wrapped up in acceptance, then we're always gonna be frustrated because we were not designed to only be fulfilled by people. We were designed to ultimately be fulfilled by God and then be complimented by the community that's surrounding us so we can find encouragement and strength. 
I mean, the first thing that God did was breathe life into us. So that's where your life comes from, is I put all my hope in the hope that has a name, and that name is Jesus. The most important thing I want you to understand is who you are in Christ, who God created you to be. In Psalm chapter 62, verse 5, here's what it says, Let all that I am wait quietly before God. Because why? For my hope is where? In Him. It's freeing to know that my hope is only in God. And as we've talked about throughout these talks, that God is not at a distance with His arms crossed. God is not some unknown being. He is a creator who is involved with His people. He is our Heavenly Father. Jesus is our closest friend. So you know when life gets crazy, when I'm feeling hurt, when that pain is becoming oh so too real, I can wait quietly before God. You know, uh, a little memory popped up on my Facebook recently. This picture of me and Shepard from, man, like almost like a month after launch day here at our church. This was right outside the high school almost two years ago. And this is Shepard. You can see his nice wavy hair that he used to have. I'm very jealous of it. But this is him running in to his arms, running into my arms. I love this. I love that, you know, in this picture, we see the posture of the father represented is down and arms open. I want you to know today that, man, if Shepherd is me and like all of the things I go through as a person, this is God, always. This is God's posture. Like, hey, come on, I'm ready for you. I'm the one that can help you. I'm the one that can be there for you. I'm the one that you can put your hope in that is always going to be trusted, that is always going to be there and help you get through life, walk through these things. I will not give up on you. My arms are open wide, but here's the thing. This is the temptation. There's also other things in our life that are waiting like this. Where I, I'll be honest, where I see a lot of church hurt fester and become really unhealthy is when where we run to is what I call the, the blue check. If you're on social media, you know what this means. It's the people that got a ton of followers that they're quote unquote verified. And they begin because of their past or things they've walked through, they begin to get their talking head phone out and begin to talk about and dialogue about the church and stuff that I'll be honest with you is just completely untrue, completely is false, completely is built out of their own hurt and offense that they're not willing to deal with. And we run into those things because yeah, those things will accept us. But I've learned those things just make me more angry. Because here's what also happens. See, we also understand that, man, I'm always running for something, but maybe it's not social media, maybe it's not the blue check, maybe it's this statement right here, I'm so offended. Offense will always welcome you with open arms because it's the thing that will destroy you from the inside out. It is the number one thing I see now the enemy using to destroy people and they're thinking they can't step into the church anymore, thinking they're too good for the church. Can't do it without the church. And this so offended statement, you just gotta get rid of it. Because yes, offense is a real thing, but the statement, I'm so offended, that is a choice. It's a choice to live in. It's a choice to stay that way. Because number four, or number three, show the same grace that you wanna receive. Show the same grace you wanna receive. Be the friend that you wanna be. If you wanna be given a second chance, give the church a second chance. Give people a second and third chance. And number four, I love this one, is don't get caught up in the offenses of others. The worst thing you can do is get around a bunch of offended people and just get in that echo chamber of hurt and just complain and just blah, 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 blah. That's all that sounds like. And it does not help at all. It may make you feel good, doesn't heal you though. 
Adrian posted this uh, from a pastor named Taylor Madu on her on her uh, Instagram the other day. I thought it was really good. It's very dangerous when the offended gather to talk about the one who offended them through the lens of their offense. Look at this. This will always lead to greater dissension and deeper pain. Never entertain the negativity with ones who are too fragile to point you back to Jesus. God is bigger than the offense. Let him defend you. I love this. Sometimes, yeah, we can give it up for that because it's good. I don't want you to miss this though. Sometimes it's really important to not surround yourself with friends who say, oh, that it, man, yeah, that, that was wrong of them to do. Yeah. Yeah, they'll get what's coming to them. Yeah, yeah. I don't need friends like that in my life. I'll be honest with you. I need friends in my life who say, yeah, yeah, Ryan, but you've been dealing with this for like three years, man, and the only one that's still dealing with it is you. So you got to get back to Jesus, man. You got to give God a second chance. You got to come back to church with us. Listen, I don't always need faithful friends who are just always there for me. I need faith-filled friends who remind me that my place is in the community of God, is in his house because we can't begin just to sit around and talk about our offenses because it does no one any good. Don't get caught up in your own offenses or the offenses of others. And the last one as we close today is don't give up on the church, please. If you don't hear anything else today, I pray you'd leave with this statement. Please don't give up on the church. Jesus has never once given up on the church and guess what? We're kind of the reason he had to give his life. People have throughout history have turned their back on Jesus, have defamed him, have denied him, and he never gives up on us. So if Jesus has never given up on us, I pray that we would never give up on the church. Scripture tells us that Jesus is coming back for his bride. I have a bride, she's right over there. If you say some bad things about her and want nothing to do with her, I don't want anything to do with you. I mean, I'll be honest with you. And I'm, again, I'm earthly, I'm not as forgiving as God, close, but not as forgiving. <laughs> That's a joke. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, when you say bad things about the bride of Christ and want nothing to do with the bride of Christ, which is the church, and you think God's distant or you think like he's not showing up in your life, that's probably the reason why. And so we can't give up on the church. Yes, hurt's gonna happen. Yes, people are gonna mess up. People are imperfect, but you can't give up on the church because this is the one thing. I'm convinced more now than ever after the year of 2020 with COVID and the election and still where we find ourselves with every little voice in our life trying to drive a wedge between us because of our choices, our differences, our alignments, all these things, I'm convinced more so than ever, the only hope of the world is the church, is the local life-giving church, living on mission, trusting Jesus, knowing that he is the one who we are celebrating, who we are worshiping. This is not the Ryan and Adrian show. This is the Jesus invitation to know that he's never given up on you and you cannot give up on his house. You cannot give up on his community because it is changing the world. As I close today, here's what I don't want the church to be. When I was growing up, there was one of these on every block and I would go to them all the time. Friday night, it was blockbuster night, me and my dad picking a movie, the red box, new release getting ready to go home with some popcorn and watch a movie, man. We were there all the time, all the time. And then this little thing started popping up in the early 2000s. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Netflix. They were mailing DVDs. What? Gross. Mailing DVDs when you get it all dirty. 
all gross. They said that one of the dirtiest things you could touch was the Netflix DVD. But then they made the decision to start this thing called streaming. I don't know if you've heard of that practice before, but a lot of people are doing it, I hear. They started this practice of online streaming. And there was this meeting that happened with Blockbuster's leadership and they said, hey, Netflix, we, we could buy them out. They're starting some new things. And they said, we can't do that because if they're moving to streaming, you got to under, this is what one of the CEOs or whoever leadership voices in that meeting said, we can't do that because of the majority of our revenue comes from what? Comes from late fees. There ain't no late fees with a stream. We can't do that. We're forgetting what's making us money. See, Netflix was all about helping people, making things convenient. Now there's probably some debate to be had about that now, but it was about what can we do new? What is the next thing we can do to step into people's lives and help them? And Blockbuster was just worried about how to do it the old way. And now this is, you know, this began to happen all over the place. There's only one Blockbuster left, I think now is a great documentary on Netflix about it, which is funny. And now Blockbusters all over the country, they look like this. Uh, they look like this, which is good for coming up. Uh, they just pop up, you know, all over the place. And my thing is, I don't want the Capital C Church to become that, but it will if we continue to let hurt be the thing that guides us. If we let offense be the only thing that we lean into. Put that line up for me again, because that's what I want you to get today. Don't give up on the church. You cannot give up on the church. You cannot give up on what God is doing, because it's here where you find out who Jesus is. You're reminded whose you are and who you are. You are God's son and daughter, the son of God Jesus gave his life for you there is always hope and that hope has a name and that name is Jesus and there is no better place to realize that and grow in it than here in the church come on would you stand to your feet today thank you so much for joining us on the local podcast I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your heart let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do A special thank you to everyone who gives to local church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to local.church slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.